What's going on, people? Welcome to the very first episode of The Build Up, a podcast brought to you by Stratford Trends. This has been a long time in the makings, and we're really happy to be finally bringing this to you guys. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Hassan and Shez. Uh, this has been a very, very, very anticipated. We've been in, in WhatsApp trying to figure out our schedules, trying to finally get this to you guys. So we're we're very happy um, to finally be doing this. Um, the Build Up is a Manchester United-centered podcast with a global perspective and insightful level-headed analysis. But I would be remiss if I didn't throw it to Hassan, the founder of Stratford Trends, to kind of give you guys a little insight as to what this is. Yeah, so we're delighted to finally start the podcast after some time in the making. And a few weeks after we originally scheduled it, we're looking to schedule it game after game. But yeah, uh, Stratford Trends, it, I, w- I wouldn't say it's an independent effort. I would say it's a collective effort by fans in the Manchester United fan base who are into different parts of football. So part of the group, you have analysts, you have scouts, you have people who have worked in the higher range of football. You have a few people who have played at a certain level and it's just different minds colliding to make different types of content for Manchester United fans to take in. So the content is about why things are going wrong rather than what is going wrong. So we can dive into the analytical details, we can look at the data, we can look at the problems technically on the field, off the field, and just any sort of information that gets thrown away. It's just a platform for people to put out content that is easily digestible and easy to take in. And it just wants to sort of educate the fan base because of the wide range of skills in the group, various different types of people working in various different areas in football. There's also sort of people working in the media that are part of the group. It's just, it's nice when it all comes together because it's a joint effort. Absolutely. It's really, really a nice group that we've built. And Hassan, definitely the founder of that, even though he doesn't want to take credit for it. I realized that I didn't introduce myself. My name is CK, otherwise known as State of Footy on Twitter. And I have another host here, co-host, Shez, otherwise known as SRXMUFC on Twitter. Shez, how you doing, bro? Yeah, not too bad, bro. Um, obviously, CK kind of done the intro for me. Um, yeah, you can feel me, Shez. Um, and yeah, um, I'm excited to be here, man. Obviously, like Hassan said as well, it's been a long time in the making, man. We've been we've been trying to get this like on the road for ages, but um, yeah, no, I'm excited, man. Let's get straight into it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Obviously, you know, going into this season, we obviously thought it was going to be a much different sort of vibe, sort of emotion around the team. But as Hassan said, we're kind of focusing on why things are going wrong, not just the repetitiveness of what's going wrong. And a lot went wrong last time United played a game. It feels like it's been a minute, um, which has kind of been refreshing. I don't know about you guys, but it's been nice to not have to deal with the constant. I've just seen cutback goals in my in my nightmares, but I've had a little break from that <laughs> now. So. Um, but last time out, Forrest away from home, 2-1. Anthony Lenga dancing in the locker room afterwards. It was just, uh, it, was just it, was, it was a perfect storm for United. And 
Ten Hag got a lot wrong, um, including just a baffling sub uh, of McTominay for Manu at halftime. What were I guess I'll go to Hassan first. What were your kind of thoughts on 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 this game as a whole? On the whole, it wasn't good. Is my overall thoughts. But in the first half, we did have some sort of you wouldn't say control because we had the ball and we weren't really doing much with it. But it was majorly better than what happened in the second half, especially after Eric Ten Hag took um, Kobe Menu off for Scott McTominay. I just think there's a manager there who sort of, he's he's thinking what he needs to do to get right, but he's going away from his principles, which is, first, first of all, there's just not enough technical players in that team, when you, especially when you take Kobe Manu off and you put McTominay in the centre of the pitch. Um, I don't know what you're going to play through. And I think the team was uh, sort of... It, his plan was ruined by Hoyland getting ill. And Hoyland is still sort of under the weather and he's still got a pretty serious cough. So there's that, that he wasn't sort of benched or taken out of the team without... Um, he wasn't he wasn't taken out of the team just because Eric Ten Hag wanted to. He would have started him for that game. But I think that majorly ruined his plans because then he had to throw Garnacho back on the left. He had to sort of put Anthony back on the right. And it sort of ruined the front three that we saw in the game previous, even though that did play against a sort of high line. And we just wanted to see one against a low block, but it just didn't happen because of the injury. I think the attack just got messed up because of that. Uh, what, what do you think, Shaz? Yeah, similar points, man. Obviously, I think I might have tweeted it as well. Um, I just think that a half-time sub, it just kind of ruined the game for us because in that sort of game, we're trying to obviously get some sort of control and kind of calm things down, especially away from home as well. And obviously, first half, it wasn't it wasn't the best, but I think we were still, we weren't, we weren't really doing too bad. But I think just that, that sub in the second half, it just didn't make sense at all, man. And I think he wasn't even playing McTominay further up either at the time. He was keeping him deep. So if you've seen him, obviously move him up and then move Bruno deeper. But um, but yeah, I just think it was a disaster, man, in general. Um, obviously, Ericsson in there as well. Like, McTominay and Ericsson as like the midfield pivot. Oh, my, it's horrible, man. Like, how are you going to defend um, like in transition especially? And we obviously saw the results of that at the end. You know, two cutback goals basically. Yeah, because because McTominay isn't isn't a midfielder by nature, so well, defensive midfielder by nature, so. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. his his like sensing of danger, isn't as natural to how it comes to Manu, for example. Because I think I feel like Manu would have obviously sensed that there's a guy you know coming in, um, he's gonna arrive late to the uh, to the edge of the box, um, he probably would have noticed that. Um, obviously it's hard to tell. You can't really assume that, but. I just think it's obviously a lot more of a safer option to keep Main on the ball uh, on the pitch. I mean, not not just for his um, obviously impact on the ball, but off the ball as well. Defensively, he's just a lot more better than McTominay, so it just didn't really make sense to me. Yeah, his, McTominay's positional awareness and just awareness in general is just so so poor. So to play him deeper like that, uh, even in the first half, um, I remember Mainu was everywhere in terms of just being in and around that that cutback area. He was winning headers. And and I just don't – I tried to reason with every single possibility I can think of as to why Ten Hag took him off. 
he did or say Scott McTominay. Yeah, he did I, say I, in a call he's playing two games a week, but we really needed him. That was. A, we said he was tactical though. That's what. Yeah. yeah. Which I I can understand not playing a an eighteen year old not wanting to run him into the ground, but mm. to to take him off for Scott McTominay. If you want to take him off at halftime, that's fine, but to take him off for Scott McTominay is something that I just it really. I've been on the side of, of Tenog a little bit more, defending him a little bit more than probably people would. Um, but that really just, it kind of lost me a little bit in terms of Tenog, kind of put me on the other side as to like, does this guy really know what he's doing? Because I, I can't think of any sort of rational football reason to to do that. And you know, we definitely paid the price. I know people are going back and forth on Twitter as to if the goals were directly McTominay's fault or not. But either way, there is a massive um, vacated space right where, you know, your number six should be. So very, very, you know, some of the same, just the same old stuff, um, game in and game out for Manchester United, especially away from home. Um, it was a closer game in terms I'm just looking at the statistics that we posted on on Stratford Trends um XG was 0.77 to 0.74 we won possession was 55% to 45% uh field tilt was 63% to 37% so and the top top expected threat in terms of Vasquez was Christian Eriksen and I thought he was maybe the worst player on the pitch so oh, that kind of just goes cool, to show that kind of goes to show what what the what the game was like yeah just because you want to touch on Eriksen man I, I don't see what he brings anymore, man. I can't lie. Like, even his passing, like, I don't know. It's just, it just seems off, man. Like, he just seems late to everything. Obviously, off the ball, we know. Obviously, he's not the greatest off the ball. You know, his awareness off the ball in terms of defensive position and all of that. But just in general, man, like, like he can't cover ground enough. Um, think, and then I on think, the ball, he's always did regress yeah. massively compared to last season. That's what I think, anyway. I think all our midfielders struggled in that game against Forest. I think the way it was set up, um, Menu I think didn't didn't struggle, but the way that midfield was set up, we just got physically dominated by um, Forest, and I think Nuno did set up to sort of exploit us in the middle of the pitch when he put Ryan Yates there, he put Danilo, and he put well, obviously Morgan Gibbs White running through the middle. It it, it didn't That's help. Um, I think touching on the field till point, if the front same front three could could have started again, I think we would have thought have had a better chance. But it, uh, it's still not good enough with the players we've got, and I think that points to Ecton Hag needed to tinker with the structure a bit, or is he just trying to ride it out till you know trying to show well the previous well the current owners. We're not in charge of football anymore. That he doesn't have the players, or he's probably trying to show Ineos that get me some players, or um, I'm not really gonna coach mid-level players. Is that what he's trying to say? Do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. I think his structure is very dependent on players. I mean, obviously, Lissandra Martinez out, Mason Mount. We don't exactly know what his plans were, but we kind of saw it in those first couple games playing very high him and Bruno trying to win the ball high up the pitch and and you know convert chances very very quickly um but I think that's a good segue to talk about Enios and Sir Jim and this new sort of takeover if you will uh 25 percent takeover but a takeover of the footballing 
part of Manchester United, which is something that us fans have been asking for for a very long time. John Murto and Richard Arnold out the door, um, Sir Jim and Sir Dave Brailsford, and you know, names floating around Jean Claude Blanc, Dan mm. Ashworth, or Mitchell. What are you guys feeling? Are you guys feeling optimistic about this? Um, uh, feeling like they are committed because when they won, well, they're briefing Blanc, Brailsford, and then they're briefing that they would, they're not scared of the release clause and you should pay for Ashworth as the director of football. And then obviously they want to run a split recruitment, so they want Mitchell as well. So I think they are committed, but it's just sort of what what plans they have in place. Um, it's sort of, I don't think it's on the pitch straight away they need to focus on. I think they need to look at the backroom stuff. They need to look at how how lagging behind our facilities are, how the staff there, they don't have access to state-of-the-art um, facilities like in the data department. There's no sort of departments to help different uh, managers manage workloads and more of the time the players, when they get injured, they hire the private doctor and that doesn't always go well for surgeries. So it's all of sort of a mess. I think they need to sort the background stuff out first before they get on the pitch. But yeah, Shez, what do you think? Yeah, well, um, obviously I haven't been as clued in, but I've been reading a lot of stuff on obviously Twitter and just uh, come a couple articles in there as well. Um, few actually three friends from like the Stratford boys, um, Max especially, um, state of uh, uh, art of seven. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but. I think it's exciting because, you know, this is something we've been calling for a long time. It's one of them ones where I don't think we'll be able to see results until, you know, you know, we give them a lot of time because obviously they need to get their structure in place. They need to obviously, you know, bring certain players in that they need to, um, mm-hmm. that obviously match their ambitions and stuff like that. And obviously in terms of within the club as well, you're talking about, you know, the stadium, the facilities, you know, data, things like that, you know, we've got to level up in all of these things because we're behind and everyone knows we're behind. I mean, um, even in Ronaldo's interview, obviously I don't want to bring it up, but, you know, he was even saying how behind we are. So it just kind of, everyone's kind of known now that Manchester United are just so far behind in every single department. So hopefully this will kind of get, get us up to speed. Obviously we're getting people in who have, you know, taken clubs from, you know, from down below all the way to, you know, to the top. I think, um, one of them was at Juventus. Um, was it Blanc? Yeah, it was Blanc. Yeah, he was at, he was at Juventus. Obviously, he was kind of what what triggered their, you know, crazy you know uprising um, and you know that run that they went on just winning league after league. So, you know, these are these are very good people that we're bringing in. Um, from what it seems like, obviously Manchester United is it's a it's a whole different. You know, we brought in someone like Eric Dan Hag who we thought we could never fail, but I mean, look look what's happened when there's a when you when you got the glazes behind him. So yeah, it's exciting, but at the same time I think we've got to give it time and I haven't really been I haven't really been like this excited for for any anything like to be honest. Um and even now I, I, I still think it hasn't really hit me yet as in I think I need to see something happening on the pitch for it for it to fully excite me in it. But for for now and for all the talk that's been happening recently as well about talking about bringing in a right wing obviously we'll come to it. But, you know, 
all the talk that we're seeing about transfers and their ambitions, it does seem quite promising, to be honest. But again, this is one of them as well. I'm just going to wait because I don't want to get too excited. 100%. My thing is, it, it can't get much worse than where we're at right now <laughs> in terms of you know, ownership and especially the recruitment and stuff like that. When you look at some of the signings that over the past couple years, it's been very poor in terms of planning, a lot of panic buys, a lot of, you know, aging players and giving them 350000 a week. <clears throat> you guys can read between the lines as to who I'm talking about there. But um, yeah, just I, I think these people, as Hassan said, sound very committed, sound very, you know, about Manchester United, Ratcliffe, obviously growing up a, a United fan. So he's going to be very committed into, you know, bringing this club back to where we should be. Um, I kind of want to throw it to Hassan here because the January window is open and, you know, Enios will probably have an, an idea as to the type of players that we are going to go after the type of positions that we want. Um, and just so the listeners are aware, when Hassan talks about this sort of stuff, you listen. He knows what he's talking about. He, he <laughs> he's keyed in. That's all, that's all you need to know. Yeah. So in this trans January transfer window, I, I don't think they'll eat into the summer budget yet. So, but I feel like with um, with Palestri leaving on loan, with uh, what is it? Sancho is just about to depart on loan as well. Well, he's not even been in the squad, but. Yeah, we're we're running a bit light, so I feel like the well, as I've been told this as well. They want to bring a forward in alone, and who it is, I'm not sure. But the Werner links, Timo Werner links, seem to be uh, hotting up. But I think he'll just be one to drag us out till the end of the season, or otherwise, if the scouts have something in mind, if we can get something done with another player. I don't really see anything happening in January as of yet, but Ineos have. So in the summer, they'll want to sort a budget out and they might sort a healthy budget out for the summer because they do want a right winger. Who I think um, United Nad, he told me that, well, he, he, he posted it on the United District that in your, um, that our scouts like Nico Williams. He's the favoured right winger choice. And then there's obviously Olise as well after Iniesta briefing that they want to run a British car in the club. So our scouts like Nico and Ineos may like Olise. He's got a 60 million release cost. So I feel like he'll be one of them too. And they do want two midfielders. Our scouts do like um, Amadou Onana, but they like him as an eight. And we also want, they also want uh, Ineos also want to bring in a right centre-back, who that is right now. I think... Silver is top of the list, Antonio Silver, but it's just depending on what Ineos can do regarding the budget and what players they can bring in for the six. Uh, for the DM, Shez, who would you go for for the six option? I see. So uh, I've seen that we've been linked to someone called uh, Oscar Zambrano recently. Um, I'm not sure how. Like, would you, do you know much about them links? Is it uh, legit or? Um, it feels like agent talk right now, and I think he'll yeah. go to the lower league club, um, low level club. Sorry. Yeah, maybe like a Brighton or something again. Yeah. It? But um, as a six right now, to be honest, I was obviously, I'm obviously a big fan of Amadou Onana, um, mm-hmm. and I think he can be molded into a six. But obviously, you know, 
Ineos, you said see him as an eight. But I really oh, like the look no, of that. Sorry, our scouts see him as eight. Our current scouts. Oh, the scout, our scouts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I like the look of um, of Yusuf Fafana. Yeah. Yeah, for me, he's probably, if we're talking as a six, he's probably my my perfect, my ideal option. Um, you know, young, he, he's uh, obviously got quite a bit of experience now. He's obviously played for the France national team as well. Um, and he just looks solid, man. He looks like a... I don't want to make the com- comparison to Shuramani, but he looks like a more. He looks like he's, he's like a different version of Shuramani in a way, um, and um, I just think he would be a good option. Obviously, he's pretty good on the ball. Um, defensively, is the main thing for me. It's um, you know, can you, you know, stop the ball? Can you can you cut out passing lanes? Things like that. You know what I'm saying? So, because that's what we need at the end of the day. We need someone who can sniff out danger because. You've got Bruno, who's uh, you know, he's very, you know, that he likes to get forward a lot, um, and then the eight as well. We got if we want if we want to play Mountain there, for example, again, it's kind of similar. But Onana and Fafana, for me, I think they are two players who are that six eight hybrid type thing. But um, I mm. think Fafana is definitely more of a six for me. Um, and I've seen every day MUFC he's tweeted about it as well, Michael. Um, and I think I quoted it over there as well. And he's looking like around, I think, 30 million. I think he's in the last year of his contract as well. Um, or his contract expires in 2020, uh, yeah, 2025, maybe. So, I mean, in the summer, you know, we're talking, you know, that's like a bargain there, like 30 million, throwing a bid. I think we can get him for that much. So I think it would be a very smart sign to get him. That's a good And uh, what do you think about the centre-back option in um, Silver? I don't um, Silva, yeah, he's he's um he's probably my he's been my my number one option for a while. Obviously, he's um there hasn't been much talk about him as of late, but I think the price is the issue. I think that's probably the main issue for me. Yeah. I think release clause, I think it's like a hundred million or something. Yes. Um, was it just hundred or was it eighty? Um, I'm not kind I'm of not, sure. Yeah, I'm not too sure, but. It is but, going to be expensive on more expensive uh, side. And we know scouts well. did like him. We'll see what Ineos do. But yeah. I think they should peep into Branthwaite. They should look at him, even though it's a left center. I was, just, I was just about to say, we should just slap, you know, 80, 90 on the table and walk out with uh, Braithwaite and, and Onana. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's an optimistic man. But Branthwaite looks, um, looks good. And... Um, he can play right centre back, but he he's played a couple games at right centre back. Apparently. Yeah, and yeah. I saw Ethan's Fred. Um, I think he released it today. Uh, he yeah, he was it was a thread on his game at right centre back, uh, back at PSV. So yeah, I think he'll be a pretty good option because we don't want someone who's just restricted to one side either. You know, if someone is is able to play both both sides, yeah. that is because obviously, let's say someone like Martinez, for example, you know, you're not going to be playing him right centre back, are you? So. Yeah, it's one of the dumb ones where if we get someone who can play both, especially with, you know, like we've seen this season, we 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 do tend to get injuries. Hopefully that stops, you know, later <laughs> down the line. But um, yeah, it will be it will be good to get someone like him. Silva's release clause is eighty-seven million, by the way. So hundred. That euros or pounds? Hundred million euros, eighty-seven million pounds. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, uh, I think Silva is probably yeah he probably is. You know, he's young. I mean, he's 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 pretty much got it all in my opinion. But um, again, it's just I a think 
I think he's a player that he's defending with. It he's sort of good, but Cummings is. When you watch him, it's not sort of refined as of yet. So, well, you did say he's a young player. So, him coming to the Premier League, I think he'll just have to adapt on learning to how to be aggressive in the Premier League and how to sort of cut out danger. It's going to be a different sort of game that he does in Portugal because when you watch back, when you watch his tapes, he looks very good. I don't, I don't know if Ineos will want to take the big hit fee on that but it does look like we want him and if he does come in I wouldn't be complaining at all it, it's, do you think he is do you think he's do you think he's that much better though to play to pay that price as other options on the market to pay that premium I feel That's like kind of the thing with me as well obviously as much as I love him as a player and I think he's he's got crazy potential it's just that, especially with, you know, the amount of other positions we have to kind of cover, you know, can we really afford to slap 100 mil euros, 87 million pounds on someone who's obviously young, he's obviously not fully, he's not a finished article by any means. Um, massive potential, but again, like, let's say you've got someone like, I don't know, even Jean-Claire Taribo, for example, like, yeah, obviously a lot of people, they have their, you know, he has his, he has his cons, um, and a lot of people might not like the move, but I just think, especially with the Ineos links as well, I don't know if it really, if it's really going to play a mad advantage as, as as much people kind of make it out to be. But um, it's obviously going to be a lot cheaper. You know, you're getting you're getting Tadiba for probably half the price, and you I can obviously use that. Yeah, I think his box defending isn't as good, but yeah, it's it yeah, it's one of them ones. I think he's just a lot better on the ball. Um, yeah, defensively, he's the, he'll be the right back centre back hybrid. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But Which I do mean, still think we need like a backline leader, someone who's like that yeah. dominant centre half, yeah. and um, I do think and Antonio Silva can be that. Yeah, I think he would just have to put. He looks a little frail right now for me, um, mm. in terms of coming into the league and obviously the most physical league in the world. Um, I think, yeah, I just want the I just want the physical floor of this team to raise. Like we're so. Yeah. We get outran, we get outmuscled, we get outdueled every game. Like I'm so sick of that, which is like obviously why a lot of us like Onana um, in terms of his Amadou Onana, that is um, his athletic ability and his ability to cover ground with those kind of like telescopic legs. Um, but I think someone like Todibo, I think a lot of he's kind of like gone under the radar. I think that it was obviously really hot um, at the end of the summer window, and that it's kind of like calm down a bit um obviously you got to be careful with Ineos and Nice you don't want like you don't want us to like be catching cases out here but um I think it's for the value um probably like 40 million or so like I think he's definitely yeah. that's kind of a I do I do like the right winger options Nico yeah. Williams yeah. uh I feel like he's more direct he goes yeah. through ways he's played on the left wing a lot but he does play on the right wing too and with him, we're getting a direct winger. We're getting someone explosive. But we're miss if if we do get him, we're not going for the same dynamic in sort of like Sancho or Anthony. Um well more more so Anthony, the dynamic I'm talking about, not the <laughs> not the technical flaw. 
Oli say he'd be his his creativity and his passing and him in tight areas and getting the ball through is just his incision is just so good. But he's not a player that you he's a, he's a what he's a take on specialist in one v ones he is very good, but he's not a player that is as explosive as Nico. He won't yeah, take advantage of that space as much as Nico will. So, what do you guys think? Who would you go for, Nico or Olise? It's a tough decision, man. I, I obviously I'd be I happy with either one. Yeah. Well, if I have to choose one, it would probably be Elise. I think it would probably be Elise. Um, just edging it, but I, I do want both. I know, obviously, I think I've already tweeted that. Um, but yeah, I do want both of them. But if I do have to choose one, it's Elise because we just need that creative outlet from the right, man. Yeah. From the left, we've kind of got that goal scorer, you know, yeah. kind of actually Rashford. On the right, we just need someone who's going to be, you know, you know, a lot better than Anthony as in taking on players, <laughs> but also crossing. Because, you know, Anthony, one of the most annoying things about him, the guy can't cross as well. Like, if he could cross, fair enough, but he can't cross either. And Elise is like the total water. Elise's ball striking is something else. Well. Crazy. Yeah, those, good, yeah, yeah that, ball those balls whipped in from the left. It's not just them in are the insane. Right, yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. why I'll probably go with, I'll probably go with Elise. And then, you know, let's say we do want that direct outlet off the right. You know, maybe we can slap Ganacho there if we need to. But um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. I do want both, though. I do want both, definitely. Yeah, I need to watch more of, of Nico, to be honest. Um, obviously seen him a lot. And I just, I mean, those type of wingers are very, like, plug and play. Like, you know what you're going to get. He's going to They're Manchester United wingers. Yeah. wingers. yeah. I mean, we saw it, right, with Garnacho against, uh, yeah. who did we play when he was on the right? Uh, Villa, uh, uh, yeah. and just like that, that dynamic. It was just like it was complete 180 from Anthony, right? Just the complete opposite mm-hmm. sort of player. Um, it was just so so refreshing to see. But Elise is he's just silky, man. Like he's just like Cold. he's just a baller. Like he's just someone that I would love to have on my team and like be able to root for. Um, but Nico but obviously think- would be great as well. If we do get Elise, we need to upgrade the technical floor of that right hand side. Uh, 100%. the right I'm just about the right back yeah the right back dynamic into it, it cannot be Aaron Wabasaka I promise you that yeah. but even Dallo Dallo first and second Dallo, phase love his, him but third phase final phase final, I can't his head's right. down too much he's, he's, yeah, he can't cross really he's just yeah. overhits every ball like I'm thinking of Elise cutting in for an overlapping right back, obviously, and just him like laying the ball off to like two players go with Elise, Elise, and then he lays the ball off to to Dallo on the overlap just to yeah. hit the first man or just to go like, out of bounds for an yeah. opposing corner. Or something. I feel like to get the maximum amount of Elise, we'll have to get, we'll have to see who the right centre mid is properly. We'll have to see who the right back is. Well, get a new right back to maximize his potential. If yeah, we do get him. Hundred percent. Well, I think we'll probably wrap it up there. Um, good discussion, good first podcast. I'm glad that we were finally able to get it to you guys. Obviously, much more coming, um, coming very soon. We'll try to be as yeah. consistent as possible with these. Um, any final thoughts, guys? Um, not so much. We're just waiting for the Wigan game to see us <laughs> in another cup run, or we might get worse. Yeah, yeah I'll ho- <laughs> hopefully he um, he starts some of the youth players because yeah. that's what another thing I wanted to mention as well um, quickly just before we go yeah, yeah. with with Ericsson um, obviously Ericsson's playing games and that yeah but 
you got Dango on the bench, and you guys know I'm a big fan of Dango as well, yeah. Yeah. I don't see how it would have hurt to bring him on because he he's got energy, he's got he's got the legs, and he's one of them players as well. He's not scared. He he loves to get stuck in. Yeah. Uh, he's one of them guys like you 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 would want him on the pitch in that sort of game as well, especially when you're chasing it. Um. So yeah, I want to see him. You know, utilize these players a bit more. You know, go. Obviously, mainly we've seen him getting getting his opportunities and that, so that's fine. Um, see if like, next him. Yeah, yeah. I do I do like how he's um how he's managed mainly. As well, mm-hmm. but um, you know, with Gore as well, I think he did. He start. He's starting to deserve some more opportunities, and hopefully, Isak Cancel Aaron as well. I need to see him, you know, getting a push opportunity as well because I think he's, he was in training uh, with the first team today or yesterday. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, hopefully he gets um, a cameo off the bench maybe because I mean, last season I think we saw mainly in the Carabao Cup or something. He got his first start against Charlton or something like randomly out of nowhere. Yeah. I think that was his. That might have been the debut, um, first team debut. So, you know. He he can give them opportunities if he wants to. It's just I don't know, I don't know, man. Ineos needs to just scare him with something. Just tell him like Ratcliffe should have tell him quick time. Yo, he played his youth players, man. Because I feel like it's been happening the past two games. We've played more youth. I don't know if it's just me or yeah. Villa game. I remember he brought on what he brought on Hannibal and he brought on um he brought on Gore near the end as well, didn't he? So um yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we see more of that. Um, especially because I mean it's against Wigan, so we need to be kind of you know, utilising and giving them opportunities you know try and give them a taste of that first team football basically but yeah that's no, it I'm a big fan of Gore I think I think he definitely I mean if he would have taken off Manu and brought on Gore against uh, God well, I kind of remember who we play these days <laughs> um, against Forrest <laughs> against Forrest like that would have made way more sense than uh, something on McTominay but Carrington man they're, they're always they're always saving us um, and we have a yeah, great class. Yeah. Um, they always... yeah, we have we have a great class here. Um, so <laughs> hopefully we can get some more <clears throat> youth minutes uh, against Wigan. We play on Monday, I think. So yeah, Monday. Uh, and then Spurs on the on the weekend, which is a must-win game if we have any hopes for top four. So hopefully we'll be back after Spurs to talk about those those two games. But until then, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, obviously, yeah. we'll try to be as consistent as possible. It's the first of many, start of something great, hopefully. So, hopefully. appreciate you guys, and <laughs> see you on the next one. Peace. Take care, lads. Peace. Take care.